when you decide <laughs> no way to edit it. Um, so yeah, Rhubarb Records podcast, another one. Liam, how are you? Pretty good, man. How are you going? Yeah, good. Dylan? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Looking forward to Christmas. Yeah, excellent. And uh, our guest today is none other than Cameron. Campbell, Campbell, baby. Cam- oh, sorry, sorry, Cam. I just no, referred no, 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 no. to you as Cam the whole time. <laughs> no, so. every, everybody does. Don't, don't worry. Like usually, I wouldn't correct anybody because it's been twenty nine years of this. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so I'm, sorry, man. No, no, I no, feel no, no. hell rude. No, 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 no. Don't even. I uh, yeah, like I have done that completely to other people where I've just. I like, know your last name's Walker. No, 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 no. It's beautiful, man. But like, yeah, I've completely been in your position where I got to introduce someone and like, like despite all fact checking and all following for however long like i still fuck up like one thing and then i just feel like absolute shit so i'd like to acknowledge <laughs> that my name is not cameron but it does not matter and as well well the the thing is uh as well that a lot of people wouldn't know you by that name they would no. know you by struthless fabulous yes so struthy struthless cam what is it campbell yeah we, what, we, we, what, what do you like to be called in person whatever comes out of your mouth the best yeah. and and should it be cameron it should be you know <laughs> but thank well, you for having me thank you for having me nevertheless no i, do I appreciate, appreciate it, it. Um, so yeah, thanks for dropping by. It was a bit of a spur of the moment thing. I saw you were in Perth. You're one of my favorite artists that I follow online. And I was like, I got to get this guy in if he's free. And you were, and it worked out really well. So thanks for coming down, man. Really Anytime, appreciate man. it. No, thanks for having me. And I was saying to you that this episode, we're going to talk about uh, albums of the decade, which is a monumental task, but <laughs> it's uh, something that, you know, we, we've all kind of been thinking about and Spotify's made us think about and everything and Although it doesn't, it only gives you your top albums of this year and then just a brief summary on your decade because they didn't start collecting all the same amounts of data until like 2015 or something like that. So everything before that, they've only got small amounts of data of. Is that how you put yours together? Your list? No, no. I did use it for reference to kind of give ideas, Mm. but, you know, Spotify doesn't account for when I played records and when I played, you know, local music and, Mm. you know, when I was listening to the radio and all that. So Mm. Also, my Spotify is wrong. Like, it's too embarrassing. I thought I was cooler than that. You know what I'm saying? What was your number one? Uh, (laughs) Dude, this sucks. I've actually, like, made a full video about this, but (laughs) it was... (laughs) And there's, there's a strong reason why, I swear to God, but, like... New people, you're going to judge me. My number one top played song of the decade was Jack Johnson's Banana Pancakes. We've had this conversation on the podcast before. If, have we? Or was this maybe, maybe. with someone else? We might Just have talked about My number pancakes. twos to five were all really cool songs. No, <laughs> no. I I hate on people who hate on Jack Johnson. Oh, thank he is, God. He's great. He's just... he's. Simple banana pancakes. Coastal cafe, baby. Exactly. You know, you know what you're in for. You're in for a chill time. You're not going to get existential thinking about your life or anything (laughs) like that. You're going to think about Curious George and rainforests and surfing. I just think of that film clip he did with Ben Stiller. Taylor. Yes. Oh, God, I'm revealing I myself. I don't, I don't remember that one. <laughs> you really? Nah. So it's like, I'd, know, I'd know the song, though. It's, I think it's Ben Stiller playing himself, but he's just a total dick. I think he's like, is he the director of the film clip or something yeah, like that? Yeah, and he kind of goes a little bit like, do you know who I am kind of mode yeah, yeah. On, on Jack Johnson. Yeah, he goes all Ben Stiller on him. Yeah, it's a classic <laughs> time for the whole family, really. Yeah, yeah. Ben Stiller's very involved with a lot of artists like... Jack Johnson and we were talking before on Instagram Limp Biscuit. Yeah. He's in Chocolate Bird. Starfish and the Hot Dog yeah, Flag of Water. True. He shouts out Ben Stiller. Huh. Yeah. He what says, says it? this it one goes it. out to you Ben Stiller, you're my favorite motherfucker. I told you, didn't I? And then oh, the song really? like the song kicks in. Huge. Must have just been on a coke binge one night and told him he'd shout him out on the track. 
Well, he's he's friends with actors. He he directed Fred Durst directed that. Um, that uh, with John, John Travolta. That yeah. new, have you seen this? No. He's got okay. So John Travolta's new film is called The Fanatic, and he plays like an obsessed fan, like Stan level fan, and it's directed by Fred Durst. Oh, it's got the kid from the Stan film clip in it, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the the actor who John Travolta is idolizing is Stan from Eminem Stan film clip. Whoa, that's yeah, cool. There you go. Cool, uh, cool hot fact. Nice little detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all come full circle. Now, my buddy who's like mad movie critic told me this and yeah. he didn't like it, but I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. I think it's, I, well, apparently it's terrible. Like it's, real, it's apparently <laughs> the, the general consensus is that Damn. it's not very Imagine good, but you kind of watch money. it ironically. Yeah. Oh, so I have read, I have read some people like bloggers and stuff like that, not like high profile movie reviewers, but yeah. some bloggers say that they really thought it was good or that it was, it exceeded expectations. I mean, it can't be easy to write and direct a film. No, no that's but, what I think. But I still haven't seen it, so I can't say. Yeah, whether they're right or wrong. You haven't yeah. seen it either. I've got to watch. No, I've, still got I've, watch ju- it. I've just I've been getting secondhand smoke from my mate. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen it, Dylan? No, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Dylan's got no really idea what they're talking about. Who is Fred Durst? Yeah. Fred Durst. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, so back on topic, uh, uh, albums of the decade. So. Uh, Cam, do you have yours handy or? Oh my Cause god! Because you rocked up and you said you started listing off years, and I was like, I don't mean top five of every year. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, we I really put you on the spot with you this, this like monumental task. Da, 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 yeah, Oh man, I got so many. Um, oh, I don't know where to start. I'll start with um maybe one that everyone will know. Mm-hmm. Um, 2012, Diamond Tension. Ooh. Phenomenal album. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are into your techno rave rap. No, Zeph as fuck. Yeah, that's right. Oh, sorry, fuck. Yeah, yeah. I, I dug Dion Wood when I was in high school. Yeah, but true. Never didn't really like catch up after. Oh, that. on the post, it yeah. had such a beautiful attitude to it, um, and it had more singles. Like you could tell that they've been like going past the meme because there's so many. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, they got memed. Yeah, they, they got were... memed. But I mean getting memed is how artists get big now. Like yeah. or at least artists in the hip hop world get big. You know, the little pump method, right? Like blow yeah. up as a meme and then like <laughs> like get on the horse while it's galloping. Yeah. And then if you can get on the horse, like shit, you got a great horse. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess that was like That's the blueprint yeah. of what would later become, you know, the hip hop scene that I think we have today, thanks to meme culture. Mm. But I think Dion would set the tone because obviously 2009 they released SOS, yeah. you know, which had like that crazy film clip where he's like, butterfly. I'm a ninja. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. my yeah. life is like a video game, like all that yeah. kind of shit. And it's like, and then they were in, uh, was it Chappie? Chappie. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Uh, I haven't seen that cool. one yeah. either, actually. And this is all pre ninja getting cancelled. But, um, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. About this. Have you seen his story about playing basketball with Kanye West? Yeah, that was, that was yeah. I oh, know. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Is that what he Drake, got cancelled? I think over it was Drake. Drake. No, no, no. He got cancelled over this Melbourne rapper Ziani who like claimed that he he, he was like a pedophile and stuff. Oh, um, right. So yeah, like real real cancel. Ooh, uh, yeah, no, nah, whole whole bunch of stuff. But before that, he yeah like wrangled the SOS meme fame of being like this tall goofy motherfucker who was saying like to everyone who ever said I was a fucking psycho, <laughs> you know, like all that kind of stuff, and then turned it into tension which to me is just like mature, perfect techno rap, which, I mean, those are those are the two holy grails of music, genre-wise, in my opinion, techno yeah. and rap. Like, holy shit, you can put them together. It's like the most high-energy shit. And then they made that album, and it just, yeah, really, it just fucked. 
Yeah. There's definitely not not much that I can think of that sounds like them. Yeah. Definitely nothing no. that predated them anyway. Exactly. So you've yeah. got to give them that. Very genre defining. But that's mm. that's the first album I'll bring to the table in terms of yeah. this decade's albums that have, have really just knocked me for six. Yeah. And what like have you when you did yours, did you just do a general five <coughs> limb or oh, you like a top five? Yeah. Oh, it yeah. doesn't have to be. I tight I was I, struggling because I've got like, one that's top top, but yeah, like okay. the rest is just a mix. I might have started with my top. I um I try to sort of pick one from like each or not each genre, but one from each genre that I that I listened to the most, I guess. Cool. The only cool. one that I couldn't think of was like a metal one. I had one, but then I it got edged out by another one from a different genre. Yeah. So most of the metal that I listen to is a bit older. But um, yeah, are you asking me for my for my first one then? Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. So first one is um is a jazz album actually, which yeah. pretty sure you put me onto it. So we might have both have this on our list. Oh, really? You yep. said Kamal Black Focus? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's on my... It's I've got it as my number five, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's my number five as well, actually. Do you know this album, Dylan? I'm not sure. I think I know a couple of tracks from it, but not the actual whole You would album, have heard so. it. You would have definitely heard it. Like, yeah. it's, it's probably... I've definitely at least linked it to you. It's definitely... Um, like, it's helped to kickstart the... The jazz revival, I think. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a collaborative album between uh, Yusuf Days, who's a drummer, and Kamal Williams, um, also known as Henry Wu. It's like an electronic producer, but these two guys were pretty like they've been kicking around the London scene for a little while. Um, Hen- Henry Wu as a DJ, but he also plays keyboards really well, and they did yeah, like a little really impromptu like set together, and some label executives or you know some some people in higher places saw it and. Said you guys should put an album, to get, album together, and yeah, the rest is history, basically. Um, so out of that, like, kind of spawned this whole new wave of jazz out of the UK, which is super kind of like it's almost like pirate radio inspired, like bit of like bit of grime influence, bit of hip hop influence, bit of like electronic house influence is like really prevalent in it, um, and just yeah, just high level instrumentation, just yeah. Really can't go past it. And then out of that came Black Focus Records, which is, you know, it, it's all taken off now. Now you've got like um, Alpha Mist and yeah. dudes like that who are just killing it. And everyone everyone else has now just ha- like seen that as a, as a template and just picked it up and ran with it. And yeah, thanks to that album, we've got just this amazing new wave of jazz. So Yeah. Yeah, that, that album knocked me off my feet. Yeah. Have you listened to it, Cam? I have not. Yeah. Black Focus, Yusuf Kamal. Pairs off a favor. It's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. It's, a, it's just a great time. So it's got like a white album cover with like a black sort of Sanskrit mm-hmm. cover. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I do. And there's also a follow up to it, and the cover is pretty much like opposite. It's black with a with the white scripture on it. Okay. And that's Yusuf Kamal's solo album. Uh, Kamal Williams. Kamal Williams solo album. The sorry. Return. Yeah, yeah. yeah the Which return. came out last year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's that's just as good. Just like, as good. I can't yeah. really separate. I can the never two. pick really between the two. And I think Days probably plays on it anyway. I'm sure he is on there somewhere. Mm, uh, nah, he isn't. They had a bit of a falling out. Oh, did they? Yeah, I think they're friendly again. Oh, uh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's my number five. Yeah, nice. Dylan? Um, <clears throat> I just went through and just basically grabbed... Dylan's Rubar got his in a, in a pizza box. Jam, the volume first, one. No, no, no. Volume I, two. Actually, <laughs> I, I made a point of not bringing anything in that we've released ourselves. Oh, we don't right. want to as much as the temptation stuff, was like, there, right? Yeah, we're not trying to advertise our own music. But... um. Yeah, so I picked Don't Get Lost by uh, Brian Jonestown. 
just yep. because obviously shirt. they pump out like a lot of music, but this one in particular was just like, I don't know, it sort of took a different direction. Gave, had a bit more of like an electronic sort of like yeah. chill out sort of feel. This is one um, of my favorite one. By yeah, me, actually, I think that's, so. didn't you say that's the sort of album that got got you interested yeah. in the band? Yeah. One of the 50. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they just pump out a lot of records, always good. But this one in particular just really sort of stood out as like, um, yeah, different sort of sound and just, you know, kind of gave me those like 90s Sunday morning come down sort, mm. of, <laughs> yeah. sort of vibes that... There's, um, a, there's a tune on that one called Melody's Echo Chamber, or is it uh, Melody's, Melody's Real a- Melody's actual, real, echo actual, actual Echo Chamber? Yeah. And it sounds like um, sounds like if Quentin Tarantino like approached Massive Attack to make a, a song, yeah. like a soundtrack for one of his movies or something like that. It's Yeah, there's some definitely some Massive Attack influences in yeah, there with this yeah. one, I reckon. So. With like um, Anton's like sort of reverbed out guitar in the background. Yeah, yeah it's very washed. Yeah, reverb. super washed, super reverb. Yeah, yeah, that one, that one was definitely a good one. It took me a little while to actually get into. But I think that's because it goes in so many different directions. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely like. Um, I've listened to this a lot, and every time I listen to it, like I'm just like, wait a second, and just have to turn it up a little bit louder. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's mine. Great choice. But my number one. I'll just I'll just start off with my biggest one. Oh, that was clear cut. Lonerism by Tame Impala. <laughs> that yeah. was that that album was the landmark album for a huge like shift in my music taste. It was just one of those albums that was right place, right time in life. Everything just kind of lined up, and it was this kind of magical like you know time of listening to music. Mm. And uh, yeah, that <clears> one's <throat> that one's <laughs> hey, everyone's swiping. Hey, yeah, it was also in my top five. Yeah, swiping yeah. Matt's choices. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic album. I feel good about putting it as my number one because it's technically local, even though Kevin Parker is pretty much like an international megastar now. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's local music. Obviously mm. still very re- relevant to you today as well because pretty yeah. sure pretty sure we've definitely brought this one up on the podcast like yeah. numerous times. Yeah, I don't listen to it all that much in the last couple of years or haven't, I should mm. say. And I don't too much. It's kind of like a special treat yeah you know, playing that one yeah you know? it's like a big bowl there's of a chocolate ri- there's a ritual cream. i don't just like throw it about and i don't just chuck it on the car it's like there's a you know a little bit of a ritual yeah. to it just because it's you know very nostalgic as well and all that and i don't want to i don't want because i'll spend myself on music and i'll just it'll become a cliche by the end of it and so it'll lose all meaning so i don't want to i don't want to do that to, there's a few albums where I like as much as i want to i don't touch like just because randomly. you don't want to ruin them. I don't want to like ruin it. Yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, that's one of them and that's my number one. So Actually, because <clears throat> I remember you and me chatting and I was saying The Currents is my favorite Tame Impala and you were kind of like, oh, I don't, wasn't too sure about that direction and they, they headed in for that one. Mm. So you've have you heard anything off of the Slow Rush yet and what are your thoughts yeah, about that? Uh, it's once again, it's like, I, I don't knock it. It's, it's, I listen to it and I'm like, this is quite good. Mm. You know, obviously a lot of people really enjoy it and they obviously really connect with it. Not me, but that's okay. Mm. Like, you know, I just, I prefer the older stuff. It's just the sound that, you know, appealed to me and went in a different direction. But it's one of those things where like, I just kind of like, I don't really care too much about it. Cause I know like one day I'm probably gonna retroactively like really enjoy it. Be mm. like, ah. Just, like not, just not the me, right you know? time yet. Exactly, you know. <clears throat> and Currents like still has some great songs on there that I mm. like, you know, have obsessed over and everything. But it didn't really, 
from a start to finish perspective, didn't really like hold water for me. So yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Which okay. is okay. There you go. I'm not upset either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not crying. Um, but no, I'm very curious about this next album because uh, one of the tracks, uh, which one was it? Um, Borderline, I didn't really care too much about, mm. but Patience and this new one I, I dug. It's definitely going in a bit of like a bit of a vaporwave disco kind of yeah. direction, I guess. Like sort of like Gorilla's last album. Kind of really evoked that kind of neon lights That's kind a good of comparison, actually. Yeah, I like, really thought about that. Yeah, and I really like. I thought that that last Gorillaz album was like actually nearly made my top five. It's uh, the now now. Yeah, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. The, the we're I sorry about was... humans one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Did you get into that camp? Uh, yeah, I'm a huge Gorillaz fan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Did you like humans? Because humans was really divisive. Uh, no. Um, but like, yeah. I think for me, I mean, like. I'm probably stock standard mid-level fanboy where Plastic Beach was my highlight. Mm. Um, well, I think we're on the same <coughs> yeah. wavelength when it comes yeah, to yeah, Gorillaz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was like, obviously, like, Gorilla, you know, like, Demon Day. Like, as as they came out, everyone was my favourite album until Plastic Beach. Then he did The Fall while he was on tour with Plastic Beach. Yeah, that, that was that done was on GarageBand, isn't that right? It was all yeah. on an iPad. And it was yeah. probably appropriately titled. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 Because he gave that away as like a free download or he something. He did, originally. he did, yeah. he did. And there was like, I think like one or two, I w- I'm not even going to say good tracks, I'll just say tracks. It's on vinyl now though, they've put it Yeah. They put it um, on wax, yeah. Yeah, well, fucking, I guess that legitimizes it. But like, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that was just like an okay album. From, it's canon now. Yeah, yeah, right? Like, I think the only thing that he didn't do, or the only thing he did do right with The Fall was not like upload it to everybody's iPods. Ha! Involuntarily, <laughs> go full Bono on it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, Plastic Beach was just such an incredible album. But I think that doesn't. I think that might have been. Was that nine that, or ten? Yeah, that's. I think, I think that, that was, was right on two thousand nine. Oh, really? I think it was two thousand nine. Let's look. This yeah, up. No, I actually you think it might have been ten because I'm pretty sure I remember being like nineteen. It might have just yeah, slipped into right, the to yeah. the decade. I'll Jamie it and I'll pull it up. Yeah, pull that shit up, Jamie. <laughs> I love how you can I can say that phrase with anyone who's been on that podcast. And everyone knows <laughs> everyone like, that's it. entered the lexicon of anyone who's who listens who's to into podcasts. podcasts. Yeah. yeah, literally anyone who's ever. You're used right. YouTube. It was 2010. Oh yeah. shoot, maybe that's my number four then. Plastic yeah. Beach, because that <laughs> is an amazing album. It is, it's really it's a good. great album. Yeah. 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 Oh man, God, what didn't that album have? It, it might. Just, have it's got a. It's a beautifully like. Had Lou Reed on it. Bag. Yeah, it even had that Middle Eastern choir, like yeah. which oh, was yeah. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. There was just so many elements to it, and then it had singles, which I guess is what carries an album mm. around to people who aren't album people. But which even is incredible. then, what didn't feel like a sellout. No, single. it no, didn't. It was still, it just didn't. it was a great track. Yeah, like Melancholy yeah. Hill, right? Like you take a song like that, it doesn't. It feels within the album because, like, you get that. Um, you know, the 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 melodies of that would be like, and um, what's the um. You know the Lou Reed one? What was that? Like uh, um, the one where he had Lou I can't Reed remember the title of that. Um, some, some some kind, kind of nature, of, and yeah. and he put Lou Reed on the auto tune. So it's like you've got like something like Melancholy here, where he's got like these like just really get aroundable pentatonic kind of tunes that are going on. But then he does it again, mm. and then he does it again like heaps throughout it, and then he interspices it with like you know like like you were saying before, like you were talking about like how like grime seems to find its way mm. into like English Everything. music, regardless. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, and like yeah. he's putting that in it, and like I don't know, this is like even he, like his he classic u- sampling and stuff. Yeah, he used every guest artist 
to like to their strengths on that album. Like, yes. yeah. Yeah, Lou Reed was doing his spoken word, like vocal delivery. He had like Bobby Womack just like wailing oh, on another track. Was that Cloud of Unknowing? Yeah. That was a Which fucking was banger. Just killer. I reckon that's like, like my favorite track from that album. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, whereas like Humans was kind of just like, let's see how many like celebrities we can cram into right. one song. Which feels like, you know, that's. Eminem and Ed Sheeran, right? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, well, or Ed Sheeran and Beyonce. Right? Yeah. yeah. Or Ed Sheeran and fucking literally anybody. So we'll just call the Ed Sheeran effect. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> which for me is like, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, I don't know, there was recently an Adam's Family animated movie where they just got a million different like high that. relevant actors and it's widely considered in the animation circuit to be just like the biggest hack of a movie, like just a piece of shit. That new Pixar one? Oh, uh, not even Pixar. Like, no, yeah. Pixar wouldn't fucking green like that shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, it's just like how many celebrities have you got to throw at, throw at something before you realise it's just not, not worth getting made? Yeah, yeah that was kind of definitely like humans' downfall. Right, was like, was it clickbait? It yeah, damn. It's a really, mm, have you listened to the album much? No, like, like I, I gave it the Gorillas fanboy listen, and then yeah. I was like, ah, oh, there's just, I don't it's know, maybe not I had doing to, much for me. My friend was there was a couple pub. of good <laughs> beats on it, but mm. yeah. I remember I got an advanced like review copy of it for True. a publication I was writing at the time, and I even went back to them and I was like. I don't feel anything about this album and I don't feel comfortable trashing it because I just feel like I'm not the kind of person that it's going after. So mm. like, can I palm this off to someone else who's probably a bit more into hip hop than I am? Yeah. Just because, yeah, I was like, oh, it's obviously yeah. not for me, so I'm not going to trash it. You know? Yeah. And it's just odd contextually to come out in a time when hip hop is just blossoming beyond yeah. blossom. Yeah. Maybe maybe that was, you know, an attempt to kind of make gorillas. Not that I ever felt they were irrelevant. No. Like he, I mean, might be Damon like Albarn will never be irrelevant. Like, no. Gorillas yeah. is like a legacy. Like, yeah. Like gorillas probably more so than Blur. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 I would say these, these days. days yeah. 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 Absolutely. Dylan. Gorillas. Gorillas. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like I kind of, um, yeah, humans, I didn't really take much interest in like listen to it and it just didn't really grasp my attention um plastic beach so many people have told me how much they love it and i never i've i've actually kind of like haven't explored that album properly like i i feel like now i need to go home and like oh, listen to so it so demon oh, days was your last you one demon, uh, demon, demon days, days is incredible yeah demon days obviously but that so was gorillas. The, the you know gorillas and demon days just like you know when they first kind of exploded just oh. you know they just yeah just such a different sort of sound and just such a awesome sort of mix of you know indie and hip-hop and electronica yeah, electronica yeah. and everything just kind of coming together in this big sort of conceptual sort of fantasy world it's just mm -hmm. yeah really interesting yeah um i think for me like De demon days you know what demon days reminds me of the greatest album of all time ipod what? videos <laughs> <laughs> very close <laughs> yes yeah. same time period however what it reminds me of is Tony Hawk's Underground 2, and I'll tell you why. Thug 2, baby. Yeah, Thug 2, <laughs> that's it. And uh, the reason why is because I had it on Xbox, and if you had it on Xbox, if you had stored an album onto the Xbox's hard drive, you could oh, put a custom soundtrack. To it. And so like being a kid and like mucking yeah. around with that, one day I stumbled upon this and I had put Gorillas on the Xbox, and I was like, oh my God, I can listen to this album when I play Tony Hawk's Seek. And so... <laughs> Yeah, I just played heaps of Tony Hawk's listening to that album on loop pretty much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So like it's that album is so ingrained in my head uh, from yeah. so many hours of Tony Hawk's Underground mm. 2. 
just like skating while fire is coming out the monkey's head. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So and many like great secret skating characters. as like Shrek or something. I think you could play as Shrek in that you one. You could play as Shrek. I'm pretty sure you could play as like a koala. You could unlock Billy, uh, Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day in that one. Really? No, that was American Wasteland. Sorry. Uh, Different yeah, one. Uh, that's, I think Thug 2 was the last one I played. Yeah. I really, like actually played from start to finish. Yeah, that are more of a GTA vibe, eh? <laughs> and like you can do that in GTA as well. I'm yeah. pretty sure, like, upload your own songs. Play yeah. your own songs. There was, like, a radio station you could flip to that would just play the songs from your hard drive. Did you ever play the, uh, the it was originally a DS GTA title, but it went to other ones, uh, Chinatown Wars? Nah. No. I think it's a heavily it's underrated now, game yeah. and heavily, like, under under discussed it's you can get it on a smartphone now it's a mm. it's an app version and it's a top-down gta it came out on the nintendo ds it was awesome and you know the band anvil they had their own radio station on it they just played anvil songs yeah right yeah, yeah there was the a documentary about them gta's were top down they were they? top down yeah yeah and this one this one was a companion game to gta 4 right so it was the same map as gta 4 but like top down and it was wicked it was it was so much fun and you would do drug deals to make your money and everything. And it had this whole like kind of running a gang empire level, like element to it. It was <sighs> very different to the other GTAs, but very addictive. That's so mm, cool. You should check that one out. Get it, put it on your phone and play it on the plane on your way back. To Hell Sydney, yeah. yeah. We're rating the top five GTAs of the 2010s, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. baby. <laughs> um, Fabulous. But yeah, so... Uh, what else? Should we just throw some albums out there? What, yeah, yeah, yeah. What else we got? Yeah, yeah. Uh, here we uh, Let's go. Yeah, what, yeah, what have you got? Well, well, what have I got here? Actually, here that. we go. Um, the Pizza Box of Mystery. Goat. Oh, Goat. Yeah. yeah nice. um, world Music. This is a band that's just like, um, well, they're not even an official, like, I, th- I think they kind of like just mix members up. They're, co- they're a yeah. collective. Yeah, they're really, a collective. Yeah. Ghosts, yeah. They all remain masked. Yeah, the Wu-Tang oh. yeah. Yeah. They're like um, yeah. this pagan psych tribal Swedish band. They all wear re- yeah, really crazy outfits and multiple vocalists and fuzz guitars and yeah. Just Very like, jam band kind of. Yeah, jam vibe. band. I don't of, think. Uh, world like, music influence. Bad yeah. jam I like a bit of an Afrobeat mm. kind of vibe and. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> lots of uh, lots of weird percussion instruments and yeah, exactly. Yeah, just one of those albums that I just heard and just kept thrashing and yeah. I remember you, you know. showed me Go years ago. Yeah, I was like, damn, who are these guys? Yeah, and you were like, my partner Synth <laughs> absolutely loves this album. Yeah, yeah. Which one's that? Which okay. World Music? World Music? World music yeah. yeah, second one, I think. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Very cool cover. Like, I think yeah, just sitting there watching them on YouTube for like hours and hours mm. and hours on end, just because they're just. Great stage so, show, yeah, yeah. awesome. Like, um, wouldn't say like choreographed like dance move necessarily, but like their stage show seems like a little bit choreographed, which is cool. Mm. You know, get a lot of that sort of thing these days. Yeah, I so. find it's the whatever the opposite of self indulgent is. Is that because it feels like audience indulgent? It's mm. like you bought a show here. Mm. Here it is. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it gives me. Um, I know it's in a completely different world, but when I've seen videos. Like, it reminds me of when I first saw Slipknot as a teenager. Because oh, yeah. I was like, oh, masks. Impactful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or probably what juggalos feel. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just costume bands, right? <laughs> yeah, Xanax. Slipknot, I will stand by as, like, a quality act. Like, I always tell everyone, if you can look past the I hate my mum and dad style lyrics. Dude, those are that- not something you need to look past. 
I hate my mum and dad style lyrics are sick and they are so <laughs> underrated by like <laughs> by purists. Like that is one of the coolest things about like emo and teen angst music that's is true. just how suburban their fucking problems are. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I stand. Yeah, yeah, you'll stand by the the lyrics. I could never get into the lyrics, but I still liked the vocals of it anyway. Yeah, and Stone um, Sour just proved that he was a fucking beautiful vocalist as well. But the production of Slipknot is just fucking on point. It's so well done. And it's like, because cl- I think Clown is like a proper production dude. Um, and he's like one of the main writers in the band. Like he doesn't do much on stage, but he's very much a driving force behind the scenes, like on the recordings of the albums and everything. Mm. So he's he's brought his influence. Joey Jordison back in the day oh. is like a beast of a drummer. Oh, bro, did you ever watch those like old clips of like him being strapped into the drum yep. kit and then the drums just get like raised above the audience and goes upside down and he's still just doing this hectic drum solo and you're like, oh. Tommy, Tommy Lee, eat your heart out. Yeah, literally, literally. Yeah. Definitely, um, yeah, kind of combined the, the best parts of uh, music with the best parts of circus. Right. Yeah, it's theatre. It's theatre, which is yeah. like so lost on, I mean, so many people, particularly like metal fans, right? Like I respect the heck out of the genre, but it's like, I mean, the typical metal fan is like a dude with too much testosterone who like wants more, like who's like maybe like, you know, wanting something, right? Wanting something more out of life. And it's like, if you can give him this, and I say him quite intentionally, this fucking explosion of just like weirdness it's like oh i'm not a freak because there are other freaks i don't know i love it that's why you get acts like guar as well yes yeah 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 yeah. dudes who are just in it for the freak value i went and saw guar like guar sorry maybe (laughs) it might have been like a week oh sorry a year before the the lead vocalist died they were playing some uh some festival in joondalup and megadeth was headlining that was soundwave no, it wasn't Soundwave. Oh, it was no, that was No Soundwave. Sleep Till. No Sleep Till, that's right. And, but then uh, they also played the Soundwave that was at Junilop Arena yeah, as well. Yeah, But that was like right before he died, like It two was months. very, yeah. very close before oh. that, yeah. And um, it's was still one of the craziest, yeah. craziest concerts I've ever seen. Like, So they played this massive, like, it was sort of like an indoor warehouse that had been converted basketball. into one of the basketball arena. Yeah. yeah. And um, they were kind of like, there's like a like a mezzanine that ran all the way around the perimeter of the of the building and there were police like everywhere just looking down on the crowd. I remember so Gua yeah. kinda like cottoned on to this and must have had like a song, like an anti police sentiment related song in their set list. And they brought out a guy in a like in a pig suit. And like he had like a <laughs> he was like a he was like a pig and he had like a police outfit on. And uh, they brought him out like on like a big pole. They'd like tied him to this pole. Like he <gasps> was like, like they were going to cook him or something like yeah. that. And uh, yeah, basically just proceeded to like mutilate him on stage. And then like decapitated him and he's decapitated him. And like there was like blood and like pus like spewing all over the audience. And like everyone was like chanting like fuck the police (laughs) with all these police like looking down on the crowd. It got like almost like wild out of hand at one point. I remember going into that mosh and... I don't blame them for being there because I remember with my mate, we walked right in and we were to the right of the stage and there were mm. some people up ahead of us and we walked up and then we saw them pull out like a meth pipe and <gasps> and we were yeah. like, fuck this. Let's like, <laughs> it was, we uh, just went to the other side of the stage and we're like, yeah. Yeah. No. There were some less than reputable characters at that gig. Yeah. So it was pretty out of hand at one point. Hanging out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure, um, I'm sure the police would have absolutely loved that. Yeah. 
certainly created like a, some is a memory I will never ever forget though. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that reminds me. Do you remember? You know the Big Four. Do you know about that? Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax. Wow. So. The Holy Trinity. Yeah. Oh, wait, or plus one. Quadruple. 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 Yeah. Let's go with that. One. <laughs> Damn. That, <laughs> this was like 2010, I think. Um, yeah, it was in my last year of high school. So it would have been 2010. And so Metallica and Megadeth. Do you know Megadeth? Ken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you know Dave Mustaine. Yeah, was in. Was in Metallica. And they and had like this feud, like they settled the feud in 2010 and uh, Slayer and Anthrax all joined together and they did this massive tour around the world and they streamed one of the concerts. It was in, oh God, I can't remember now, but it was somewhere in Europe and uh, they um, they streamed it to cinemas around the world and me and my mates went um, because they... Is that next door? It's a fridge. Oh, that's locked in the closet. Sound like someone knocking on the door. It's the gremlin, bro. (laughs) We've heard the gremlin too. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this uh, Slayer, Megadeth, Anthrax, Metallica. And they do this to broadcast the cinemas. Me and my mates go, right? They're showing all the different acts and it gets to Slayer and people are getting amped up. And this is in a cinema in Northbridge. People were going that wild over Slayer, like holding oh, the cigarette lighters. They rip up the cinema seats Bro. and throw them at the screen. Like, I'm not even joking. They paused the movie, called the cops. Police came into the cinema, sat, sat around, and they, they, uh, the cinema manager came out and was like, right, if anyone throws any more seats at the screen, we're stopping the viewing and there'll be no more. And there was still like Metallica to go, up, Metallica to go after that as well. So a lot of people were, you know, like getting pissed off at these guys. It mm. was a very small bunch out of the crowd. They were like very front row. They were just going absolutely mental. It was fucked. Me and my mates were at the very back and we're just watching this unfold and just like giggling because that's all you can do really in that scenario. But like, it was fucking wild. Yeah, Slayer takes, definitely yeah. have some pretty wild fans. And it was like, they were ripping up not just like one seat, but like three seats mm. that are like attached together and just like slinging it. At so much chaotic energy it was to it. bring into a movie theater. Right? Yeah. <laughs> In it's the eighties, like, like, have a wine and chill out. There like, was like <laughs> a, there was kind of like a bef- before the age of the internet. So God knows how this became such a widespread thing. But kids would like carve Slayer into their arms. Oh, oh yeah, that was like a big. thing. I think it was on one of their video true. tapes. Metal. They put yeah, on there and it must have been and everyone it. started doing it. But yeah, definitely one of those bands. Damn, I want to carve Slayer into my arm. That sounds cool. I want to fit in. <laughs> yeah, because it's yeah. on one of their DVDs. It's the guy cuts it in. Yeah, and then there's, there's no, like curves. Required. no curves required. So you're yeah, just yeah. like zigzagging yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, they you don't need any craftsmanship. Yeah. <laughs> they like don't need cover to practice on my friends. <laughs> and then light it up and it just leaves. Yeah, light it on fire. Like, like, dude, Slayer, yeah. Have you seen that video where the guy's like sitting down there interviewing him and he's like, what does it mean to be a Slayer fan? And he's like, this is what it is. He's like, you're walking down the street and you see another guy in a Slayer shirt and you, you know, you know. <laughs> it's like this secret club like of like Slayer fans and you're just like, if, you, if you've got a Slayer shirt on, that's like your kind of secret handshake almost. Yeah. But the Freemasons of the metal world. <laughs> that's that's a, a very good analogy. Yeah. Fabulous. Um, All right. Albums. Albums. Yeah. Uh, who wants um, to throw one out there? Oh, yeah, I'll go because I've actually got a, I'm gonna have to uh, cut, cut, yeah, oh, cut, yeah, cut myself short. Time but well, uh, yeah. let's pick one. Uh, Ty Seagal, Emotional Mugger, 2015. Oh, really? Like yeah. that guy is just so prolific. Like he puts out 
at least an album a year. And there are lots of people that do that. Like, you know, there's King Gizzard, there's the OCs, the Brian Jones Town Massacre, we've already mentioned. Um, but I, what, I don't know what it is about Tyler, but he seems to reinvent himself with every new album. Like every new album, yeah. And right. Emotional Mugger was, I think the the one that he put out before that was um, Manipulator, which was his first double album, and that was a that was kind of like uh, like a double album full of songs in like a pop format. And then um, just when you thought he'd sort of gained momentum with his songwriting, he just puts this album out called Emotional Mugger that was just like just this bizarre listening experience, like so jarring and like kind of like angular and just yeah just took a whole different approach just ripped everything all the foundations he laid up and just tossed them out the window essentially and uh yeah not to mention you know the whole theatrical aspect we're talking about he started wearing like a gigantic crying baby mask like on stage i've uh, seen that yeah Yeah. and just like dribbling out of his mouth and stuff and just being a general weirdo god that's hot (laughs) (laughs) hey man whatever you're into but um, (laughs) i'm not here to kink shame bro (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah i just just the album was just yeah just so cool man like i it was one of those ones i just couldn't stop listening to it was a bit weird at first and then it kind of grabbed me and pulled me in and yeah i just think that he's probably the most i reckon he's the most original like, or at least the most talented songwriter slash musician I think there has been since Josh Homme or Josh Home or whatever have you say his name. I think it's Homme. Yeah. Homme? Yeah, Home? I think so. I don't know. Homus. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I think I think that he um, he's pretty well recognized, but he's never, ever broke the mainstream. And I think that's all yeah. of his own accord because, yeah, he's just so un- uncompromising in his art. Like his most recent album, First Taste, um, which isn't, I don't think it's anywhere close to one of his best albums, but, um, there's not like a single electric guitar on that album. Like he just decided, oh, I'm just going to like, maybe guitar is my songwriting crutch. I'm just going to try to write an album without playing any fucking guitar on it at all. And, uh, yeah, that turned out to be a pretty decent album as well. So yeah. it's proven, proven that he can, um, just keep evolving. There's a method to his madness. Yeah. Or maybe there's none at all. Who the fuck knows? But back in the early days, he used to have like a really garage sound and then that evolved like through to sort of show, showing his, his other influences. Like he started playing acoustic guitar and sort of had a bit of a Mark Boland, like T-Rex kind of vibe and like super, super loves T-Rex. And you can hear that in his, in his singing and songwriting, but yeah, emotional mugger, man. Hadn't heard anything like it before or since. So that goes on the list. Sweet. I'll yeah. keep it on the garage rock frequency. Cause I said on a previous podcast, when we are talking about this podcast, that while King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard is by far my band of the decade, I cannot, (laughs) I cannot say that any of their albums are my album of the decade. However, I take that back. My (laughs) album of the decade from King Gizzard is I'm in your mind, Fuzz. That was the one, like, I'm I'm the, anyone who's listening to this podcast, Liam, Dylan know this, like, I am a King Gizzard nut. Like, I'm up there, like, 5am pre-ordering the, the vinyl record when, when they drop it and all that. Like, I'm full into it. However, Mind Fuzz was the, the album when it came out that I was like, this is, I love this band. Like, I was interested in them before. Float Along was great. Uh... Uh, Float Along was great. 
um, Eyes Like the Sky, and there was another one. Uh, quarters? Or 12 Bar, 12 bar Brews. Uh, no, Quarters was after Mind Fuzz. Yeah. I think it was just those three at that point. And then Mind Fuzz came. Uh, and before then, I was like, oh, these guys are interesting. They're cool. Mm. Like, they're doing something. Oh, Oddments. Sorry. That was the one I was thinking of. And that I was like, all right, I like what these guys are doing. Like, they're really experimental. I'd like to hear them go a little bit heavier. And then they brought out Mind Fuzz. And I was like, yep, these guys are fucking sick. I'm in. And it's all gone downhill from there. Um, and many, many, uh, you know, budgets compromised from there with buying their records and such. But <laughs> yeah, I'm in your mind, Fuzz. It's a great, it's a great album because the first half is just one long jam. And then you've got all these other like kraut rocky kind of style jams in the second half. Um, you just, yeah, I, I can't fault it. This it's very low fi If, if I could improve one aspect of it i would just say like some remaster to get released but to me it's still you know that adds to the character um as well yeah i fucking love you know that tenacious d song uh tenacious d scene sorry in the movie when he brings them out on stage and it's like jb's dream love this band period (laughs) that's like me with king yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) so yeah yeah. anyway that's one of mine uh, Cam, you were nodding, nodding in excitement. You're yeah, a King Gizzard God. fan. Oh, I, I wouldn't call myself a fan because I know they've got fans. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, Like got if you put fans. King Gizzard on, I will not tell you to change it. Put it that yeah. way. You know, like yeah, I'm nice. not, I like the music. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I know that uh, they have a level of fan which I just am not. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, like I, I, I appreciate the album of King Gizzard that you have chosen because anyone who does take a very different direction, or I wouldn't call that different, but like yeah. You know, well, that's their thing as well. Is that exactly every album is a different direction. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you picked one which I would say is the most different direction. So I really like that. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. Sweet, nice. Yeah. See, it's it's strange that that's the most different direction too. But to me, that was what solidified them and is kind of like the base standard. Right. When I think of King Gizzard, everyone has their own kind of vision of what King Gizzard is, and it's informed by the albums that they listen to most. Yeah. And for you, obviously, it's a different one. I don't know which ones you've listened to most, but for me, Mind Fuzz is. So to me, they're that, that that's kind King of band, Giz. and then yeah. everything else is an extension of True Kanye. that. Well, I guess it's like Kanye albums, isn't it? Right. Where people each have like a different idea of who Kanye is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Sweet. Um, Dylan? Did you have a- King Giz. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I mean your mind fuzz was probably the one that really kind of just put them on the map out. for a lot of like really hardcore music listeners. What's that? It put them on the map. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. they're like I just love the fact that they're they've also they've gotten so big, and they've managed to stay independent the whole time as well, and also like you know flightless records is the the label that they're on, that they're on is um bringing up so many other bands and like um putting them into the spotlight. Yeah, they're awesome. Like they just like yeah, I De- kind of definitely become sort of larger than the sum of their parts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I, I can respect what they're doing. They're just doing it independently and on such a huge, huge scale, and definitely doing good things for you know Melbourne music. So yeah, and vinyl as well. Like yeah, I would well, say in general because I obviously locked down the vinyl market really well. Kind of made it a part <coughs> of the culture of being a you know, King Gizzard fan is that you get the records and all that. And it's kind of, a, mm. you know, a bit of a spectacle around the band itself. But I would say that, you know, 
I would say that there's probably a, a decent chunk of people who are into records now because they started buying King Gizzard records and then bought more because yeah, they the, then the got a record build, player. And they build the hype well. You know, yeah. There's countdowns to the launch. They sell out pretty much within minutes out of every single release. Yeah. Um, and yeah, people just froth over it basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, Eric um, Moore is like is really clever with all that stuff. Yeah. Like, when like King Gizzard was getting really popular right as I was doing my communications degree and I majored in PR. And so like when I was doing arts and entertainment units and all that, I would sometimes like refer to them because they were doing really interesting things that were outside of the norm of how you would normally like release an album or, you know, um, you know, put out any kind of, you know, PR or communication mm. and such. So they, they're, they, they play a little bit more to industry standards these days, but they, you know, they're never afraid to kind of, do something different in their own thing, which is mm. cool. So, yeah. Um, I'll throw another one out there. Mac yep. DeMarco 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah that yeah. nearly made my list as well. That That's my favorite Mac album and r- reminds me so much of 2014, mm. I think, was when I got really got into that, which I wasn't too long after it came out. Uh, I would say or 2013, it's maybe. definitely been like one of the most influential albums of the decade. For sure. Yeah. Mac, Mac DeMarco has had such an influence on indie music. Fashion. Yeah. Fashion. Fashion, for mm. sure. I remember. <laughs> Everyone loves Durries again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally. And, yeah. and and Op Shop Simpsons t-shirts. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but I remember going to see him at Metro City with King Gizzard. It was a co-headline show. Mm. Oh. And they, it, it happened because they were playing a festival and then there was fires and they couldn't get to the festival. So they put it on and did it like... Part proceeds to the chat, um, like the fire relief. Oh, that's charity. cool. It was great. It was a good night. There was uh, Kieran, uh, Kieran J. Callanan played oh, as perfect well. Perfect vibe. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was. And I, that was my introduction to him as well. And when oh, I saw true. him, I, someone said to me, just go, don't Google him, don't YouTube him, just go, just make sure you're there for his set. Very and cool I advice. Was, and I, I was like, all right, I trusted this guy's judgment. And I went along, and at the start, I was like, "What is going on? This is like Primus meets Kraftwerk." And yeah, you know, great I was, description. Yeah, it's uh, that it's exactly like that. Hey, wow! And uh, and then by the end of it, like, and the whole crowd was just like, "What the fuck is going on?" Because you know, most people were there for either King Gizzard or Mac DeMarco. By the end of it, he had everyone screaming, I'm the toddler, and he was out in a diaper and, you know, I, or maybe it was just underwear or something, and he's, like, crawling on the stage <laughs> oh, saying, geez. I'm the toddler, and he had this little, like, <laughs> rhyme about being a toddler. And, uh, yeah, the whole crowd was screaming again. Wait, who is this? Kieran J. Callanan. Ah, okay. It was, it was a great night. Everyone, like, went from being like, what the fuck is this guy to being like, this guy is the fucking bee's knees. Fucking genius. Yeah, yeah. It was, he, he's a great showman. Mm. No wonder but, Campbell's into him because he's, you know, he's doing the whole baby thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's all I want. <laughs> but to bring it back to Mac DeMarco, that, that night there was so many people who were excited to see Mac that were dressed exactly like him. Yeah, yeah. and we were me and my mates were there, and we were counting, we were calling them Mini Macs. <laughs> and so we're like, oh, look at all the Mini Macs, and we're like, there's a Mini Mac, there's a Mini Mac, and there's a walk around the city after as well. We're like, oh, Mini Mac. Well, there's Mini-Mac. there was a lot of talk about how, um, like, or well, there was a lot of like really like misplaced blame. So directed at Mac DeMarco for kind of like slowing indie, the the progression of indie music down. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, like he doesn't really have any control over like, you know, what other musicians are doing. It's yeah. more like the people who are accountable for it are like either the record labels who just want to keep signing Mac DeMarco clones and also the people who just want to listen to everything that sounds just like Mac DeMarco. Yeah. The poor guy's like, 
obviously just just been like chastised for making great music he checked out of the lo-fi game at just the right time Mm. Mm. because when i saw him at that gig i was like okay this is kind of like i think another one was just about to come out or had come out and i was like okay this is kind of like being becoming a little bit of a one-trick pony and then he released this old dog and it was all direct uh, di direct Mm. input um, vintage sense vintage sense and it was all recorded like high fidelity no yeah. lo-fi and it was a great album i think that was and the he, last he great checked album out the li- lo-fi game at just the right time yeah. some bands really do that yeah i yeah. had um mountain goats in my list transcendental youth right which was I know that I mean, album. oh because i mean you know mountain goats super lo-fi folk band yeah. and then yeah their first hype well i guess you call it hi-fi like proper high fidelity, like DIs and stuff. Album was Transcendental Youth, which came out 2012 and like yeah. was just this incredible thing. It's like the first time they got like brass and stuff into like this folk band and it was it was incredible. But yeah, that just on the topic of like when bands do start adding in production value at the right time. It's yeah. Something special. Yeah. yeah because I think as well, if you get you get accustomed or you get you get you start mm. to enjoy a, a lo fi artist or band yeah. or whatever. And it gets to the point where you're kind of wanting something more from them. Which is sense, so just, good for the artist, I think. Because yeah. another one that I had on my list was um, the album The Fall of Hobo Johnson. Right. So yeah. I never, I, I really liked, what was it, Scones and Peaches? Or yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. really liked that track, but I never explored Peach him Scones, after yeah. that. Wait, is Hobo yeah. Johnson him or is that the group? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's him. Um, yeah, um, so... Yeah, like, so he's one, another one of those ones. So he come, came up through, like, the folk punk scene and then, like, became, like, the rapper and then obviously started adding in, like, you know, more synths and, like, actually turned it into, like, some sort of, like, really alt hip-hop record, which is exactly what it is, which is a genre that's just straight after me own heart, as you've probably deduced. But, um, yeah, yeah I, it made me reflect on that kind of effect where it's, like, if you are a lo-fi artist, the easiest move, you've got the easiest progression in the world already mm. laid ahead of you. Mm. So, like, if people are getting bored, just up, up it, mm, up exactly. it. It's so up easy. the production value. Mm. Yeah. So, what do you do if you've already upped it? Like, if you're like someone like I don't know, Alt J or King Gears or fucking Tame Impala, right? Like, you you've actually got to try. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Good way to put it. Mm. Um, yeah. I might fire off another one or two because yep. then I've got a boost. Yep, do it. Um, I've only got one more to go as well. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. Tropical fuckstorm, laughing death in meat space. Oh, interesting. That that fell yeah. in your top. 2018. Man. I know that you're a big fan of this album. Yeah, or just the band in general. Like, man, it's like what you mentioned before when, mm. when you heard you heard a, an artist and, that, and it just knocked you off your feet. Like, I didn't know really what to fucking think when I first heard this album. Like, it opened with You Let My Tires Down, which is a pretty traditional, like, drone-sounding song. Mm. But then after that, it just takes you down this fucking... It, bad acid trip fucking vortex of like you know just weirdness like super i think i already used this word to describe another album the tysigal one but just super angular like jagged sounding post-punk really catchy with like you know i don't know like call and response vocals between him and, and the two girls in the band which just worked so well and um yeah just absolutely managed to create this total head fuck of a of a piece of art that yeah it just impacted me like hugely there are probably albums in the last 10 years that i've liked more than laughing definitely in meat space but nothing that's really impacted me like that so last it through the decade yeah and then when i got to see them live finally like they were amazing as well and they reproduced it like 
note for note. So they didn't just go and write something that, or create something that they couldn't replicate live. Like they actually made this totally unique piece of art and then it could play it on stage. And it was just like, yeah, man, who the fuck sounds like them? Like nobody. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and what's the uh, the other one? The other one was Kurt Vile, Smoke Ring for My Halo, which came out in 2011. Right. Yeah. Um, just absolutely love that guy, man. Like that probably, once again, like probably wasn't my favorite album of his, like from the decade, but that was the one that like kind of really, yeah, like um, sort of really endeared me set, to him. Set something off. Endeared yeah. him to me or whatever, however you would say that. But yeah, um, that one is super stripped down too. Like that's mostly, I don't think there are very many drums at all. Or if there are drums, they're very soft, like, you know, brushes on snare kind of drums. Um, but yeah, he's just got this kind of like really, what's the word? And he just seems kind of distant and like introverted and just has this beautiful guitar playing style. And I love his vocal delivery and I love his lyrics. They're like very like self-reflective, but kind of like they're not very poetic. They're kind of just like almost stream of consciousness. Yeah. You know? Um, kind of like, an, and he gets compared to Neil Young a lot, but kind of in that Neil Young way. Yeah. 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 He doesn't croon like Neil Young does. Like he, um, his his vocal delivery is almost kind of spoken word as well. There's a lot of Lou yeah. Reed in his vocal delivery, but he's also like he kind of really evokes that kind of Philly sound as well. Mm. Like you can hear, you can hear the the Springsteen influence, and you can hear the influence from what he was doing with um Adam Adam Grand is it Adam Granducio or whatever his name is. I'm probably probably fucking something up. It's Adam something from the War on Drugs. Oh right, yeah, yeah. He was originally in that band with him and yeah, um, played guitar and. Yeah, they were super like 1980s Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen kind of Philly sound mm. inspired, and um, they kind of made that cool again. I think. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like with it that. was really daggy for a while, and they were like, "No, nah, fuck it, we like it, we're gonna run with it." And um, yeah, it just created these amazing albums. So yeah, that's 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 my top five. Yeah, nice. beautiful. Yeah. You've got one left, did you one say, left. Cam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess this would be my number one album. It's um, not the most obvious choice. It's a local one. A couple of Melbourne boys. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with No One Gets Lost Anymore by the Smith Street Band, which ah. was their first album. Yeah. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks at the time um, for so many reasons. I think um, mostly because it did something which is so unique to Australian songwriting. Like you see it in people like Paul Kelly and stuff like that. Um, mm. But yeah, it was, you could tell. So I don't know if you guys ever heard that Elvis Costello quote, big Elvis Costello fan, but um, where he said, um, you've got a year to write your first album and then, uh, sorry, you've got a lifetime to write your first album, then a year to write your second. Mm. So I feel like that was the curse of that band where Will Wagner wrote his entire life into an album and it was the band's peak. And then he had a year to write the second and like six months to write the yeah. third. And they all just kind of sucked up. Because they blew up, man. The they Smith blew Street up band. and like power to them. Mm. And, you know, there are a couple of like bangers on the other albums and stuff. But I mean, it's not impossible to write a banger. But to write an album start to finish that just like has like the poetry that no one gets lost anymore. Mm. I mean, it's a beautiful, it's the perfect breakup album in my opinion. Yeah. And it's like, it's everything that I love about Australian songwriting. And I don't think we've had an Australian album like it since mm. I don't think we had one before to me it's like the greatest lyrics out of any album that has yeah. ever come out of Australia yeah. Yeah. yeah I think you're like definitely on the money we mentioning like Paul Kelly mm. and like they've got that level of like storytelling in their songwriting yeah yeah yeah, yeah definitely um 
yeah, just just have something to say that yeah. you want it, that you want to listen to, like exactly. Yeah, and there's a few Aussie artists like that. There's like you know Missy Higgins. I always found Jebediah to be on that train as well. Yeah, Jebs like, are great. Yeah, yeah mm. which I guess now that we're in Perth, <laughs> yeah, very appropriate. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm. I've yeah. got one last one to drop. Hell yeah! Before you guys disappear, Uber into uh, the I put this as my number two because it was another gateway. Well, this wasn't a gateway album, but this is only album that wasn't an EP this decade. But I think it's just it's a brilliant album. Is Aphex Twins Syro? Oh man, powerful! Yes, love that album. Awesome album, really great. I'm a huge Aphex nut um, these days, and that was one of the albums that. When I first got into him, obviously I started off with Selected Ambient Works, mm. uh, the original, and then number two. And Syro was very much one of the last ones that I explored, but ended up, you know, falling in love with the most. So that album is just, you know, to me, you know, definitive of the decade. Mm. And also, we, it, I feel like it kind of set a new path as well for release structures. Like Aphex has always been kind of like on the 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 cutting edge of like hype building and such like his uh selected ambient works 2 album is considered the first album that ever had people um talking on discussion forums on the internet about whoa because that got released right as um forums started becoming a of thing of course because that was around the turn of the decade wasn't it yeah and so um yeah he like he's always kind of been in the right position to do that. And so with Syro, he announced it because he disappeared for years. He announced it by flying a blimp over London with the Aphex Twin logo on it. And it was announced on the deep web. They were like painting the logo in random places around yeah, the world and shit. It was like, just yeah. like the ultimate like, like it was like a bit of, bit of Banksy kind of, mm, you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. like guerr- guerrilla marketing. Which guerrilla is like, marketing, yeah. that's the term, yeah, yeah. When that stuff was trending as well. Yeah. When, yeah. Um, that was like peak Banksy hype. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's it. Yeah, so that was uh, that was my my second one. But yeah. Solid um, choice. Yeah, so you guys have both got to disappear. So We do. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on the show, man. Thank you so much. It was literally en route. Like I was honestly working like a few blocks that way. So Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Oh, so it was just go, down the road. Yeah, have dinner with my sister. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, speaking of sisters, my sister, I I have to yeah. give her a shout out because my sister is a mega fan of yours. She's got the Struthless beanie and everything. Oh, no way. And after you said yes, I messaged her and I was like, guess what I'm doing? Yeah. <laughs> and so she was like, oh, no way way like unreal so awesome. yeah she'll be hyped to hear what's her this. name Aaron. shout out Aaron. there you go there's, a, yeah. there's a shout out from Struthless yeah, yeah yeah we yeah. did it we did it Aaron. Yes. <laughs> thanks so much again man thank you dylan yeah no worries thank man. you thanks, yeah man. no yes. thanks for having me yeah, yeah. yeah. well when you're back in perth maybe we can do this again oh yes i should be back a bit next year so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. best uh, albums of the first half of 2020 <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> beautiful all right thanks guys cheers